Let's talk the neuroscience of lying, only here on the People Scientist Podcast. You are listening to the People Scientist, the podcast dedicated to helping us optimize our health with the latest scientific findings on neuroscience, physiology, and nutrition. I, your host, Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri, a nutritionist, physiologist, and neuroscientist, will be here with you every single week, bringing us information to ignite our thinking, to help us be one step closer to the healthiest we can be. Hello, my People Scientist Army, and welcome back to the People Scientist Podcast for episode 149 where I aim to arm us with some scientific evidence so that we can all become a little bit smarter and a little bit healthier with every new episode. How are you feeling today? I hope you're feeling well. Thank you for tuning in today and for letting me be a part of your day. I hope in this episode I can share some new interesting information that will leave you with a new perspective and some insight. So what am I going to share with you today? I am going to be talking about the neuroscience of lying. I thought that this would be an intriguing episode. Like what brain regions are involved in lying? Are there any mood disorders or personality disorders that have compulsive lying as part of their diagnostic criteria? Are there signs that someone is lying? Let's dive into that, shall we? But before we do, as we always do, let's start off with a foregone fact where I share scientific finding. From long ago. John Reed, back in 1947, proposed an updated lie detection technique called the guilt complex technique. In this scenario of questioning, someone who may have done an act will be asked by another person if they've done something similar, which we know they did not commit. So for example, let's say the questioner is suspicious that the person of interest stole something from a jewelry store on Sunday. Well, the questioner could ask the person of interest if they stole a pair of shoes from a clothing store on Tuesday. The questioner would gauge the person of interest's reaction. Then the questioner would ask them about the situation of interest. Did you steal jewelry on Sunday? Now, what the questioner is looking for is any difference in their response when asked those two different questions. Now, if the person of interest responds the same way to both questions, then it is speculated that they might be innocent, that they're telling the truth. But if the person of interest happens to respond differently to the situation that we know to be false, the situation that could be true, and it is speculated that they might be lying, that they did indeed commit the act. So what do you think? Do you think that this technique could still be accurate and useful today? If we suspect someone of lying, if we ask them about two scenarios, one we know to be untrue and one to be potentially true, and to gauge their reaction. It's an interesting technique that they use in psychological studies and used to use in interrogations and perhaps still use in interrogations today. Now, how about we get into those core takeaways? A lie is a false statement made intentionally. 
Lying is thought to be more common in individuals with lower self-esteem and rating having a lower quality of life. Perhaps then the reason why they lie is to inflate the sense of self. The lie is to tell a better version of themselves or a better version of their life. There are certain conditions that people are living with in which chronic lying can be a component. This includes antisocial personality disorder, fictitious disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, and borderline personality disorder. Now, certain brain regions are involved in lying, as telling a lie may involve more cognitive demand and inhibitory control. Are there certain tells when someone is lying? Sometimes, yes. That may lie in our eyes' movements. But lying is complex, as sometimes someone has been telling that same lie for years. They may even believe that lie to be true. Or they may have to make up the lie on the spot. All of these different types of lies recruit different brain regions. And as such, sometimes lies can be hard to detect. Now, let's get into those scientific details. Let's first define a lie. A lie is a false statement made with deliberate intent to deceive. A lie is something intended to convey a false impression. So intent is a key component to lying here. Some examples of a lie include saying to someone that you will accomplish a task by Friday knowing full well we will not. Telling someone that we are sick to take a day off from work when we really just wanted to stay home and we're not feeling sick. Telling someone that our watch is an authentic piece from a particular brand when it is not. Telling people on social media that a certain product worked wonders for us, like a weight loss product, when it did not. Now, lying is different from a false statement that does not have intent to deceive. For example, telling someone we plan to meet a deadline for Friday but we just got too busy. We can't seem to make the deadline. It's not technically a lie if we really truly fully intended on meeting that deadline. This instead is not following through on our word or not meeting our promise. But before we jump into the neuroscience, let's talk a bit philosophically. What do you think? Why do we as humans lie? Why might we intentionally deceive? As I pondered this, I speculated that it could be to put the best version of ourselves forward, the desired version of ourselves. Perhaps we lie for fear of judgment if we tell the truth. We lie to avoid the consequences of the truth. Philosophers debated whether telling a lie was always morally wrong or not. Now, Grant in the journal Psychiatric Quarterly in 2019 found that people who lied frequently also tended to score lower for quality of life and lower for self-esteem. I think then that this study supports the notion that individuals may lie in order to inflate the ego or to put forward a better, albeit false, version of themselves. Dyke, in the year 2005, reviews the literature on pathological lying. Pathological lying is when an individual repeatedly and compulsively tells false stories. It is speculated that in these scenarios, the individuals feel that the lie holds just as much worth 
as the real experience. As such, individuals displaying pathological lying seem to have an impaired version of reality. Pathological lying has even been called a wish psychosis, a reality in which people wish to be true. Perhaps one is very unhappy with their reality, so their coping mechanism is to lie, to create a better fabricated life. Now, pathological lying unto itself is not a condition, but it can be a part of other diagnosable conditions. So what personality disorders include pathological lying? Well, according to the American Psychological Association and the DSM-5 criteria used to diagnose different personality disorders, lying can be a component of a few conditions. For example, antisocial personality disorder. So let's talk a bit about antisocial personality disorder. An individual who has this disorder may portray with a pattern of disregard for people with three or more of the following from this list. They have a failure to conform to laws and social norms. For example, they repeatedly break the law. Two, they are deceitful. They repeatedly lie or con others for personal gain. Three, they are impulsive. Four, they display irritability and aggressiveness. Five, they show reckless disregard for safety of themselves or others. Six, they are consistently irresponsible. Or seven, they display a lack of remorse. They are indifferent to having hurt or mistreated other individuals. So overall, individuals with antisocial personality disorder have a pattern of disregard for people. It is speculated that approximately 3.6% of adults have antisocial personality disorder, and it is seen in men three times more than women. Now, while there are no medications specifically approved or typically used to treat the disorder, medications such as antidepressants and medications for attention deficit disorder may be attempted, as these conditions may be commonly seen with antisocial personality disorder as well. So, are there other personality disorders that involve repeated lying? Yes, there's actually a disorder called fictitious disorder that the American Psychological Association recognizes. This is sometimes referred to as Munchausen syndrome. In this disorder, the person intentionally induces or fakes symptoms of illness. The reason behind why is not completely well understood, but it could be to garner attention. For example, someone pretending to have chronic pain, an injury, or depression for the ability to garner the attention from others. The patient's behavior includes high medical knowledge or the use of medical and scientific terms, extreme eagerness for medical procedures, including invasive ones, and an opposition to psychiatric help. Individuals with fictitious disorder may be hard to detect as physicians want to believe their patients and they want to help them. And it is often hard to know if someone is faking pain or if they're faking psychological symptoms because they're hard to detect. And as a result, it's hard to diagnose fictitious disorder as well. Are there other conditions that involve lying? Yes, although not a part of the diagnostic criteria, many psychiatrists and psychologists observe lying in individuals with narcissistic personality disorder and borderline personality disorder as well. Two episodes ago, we talked about narcissistic personality disorder, that this portrays as someone who has a grandiose sense of self-importance. They believe they are special. 
They require excessive admiration and often appear arrogant and lack empathy. As such, an individual may lie to inflate their ego and have no remorse for these lies. Borderline personality disorder is a disorder that, again, does not include lying as part of its diagnostic criteria. However, lying may be commonly seen in individuals with borderline personality disorder. So what does this disorder look like? It looks like an individual who has a pattern of unstable relationships, unstable self-image, unstable emotions, and impulsivity. The diagnostic criteria for borderline personality disorder includes frantic efforts to avoid abandonment, unstable and intense relationships, identity disturbance, meaning that they have an unstable view of themselves. They may be impulsive and display impulsive behavior such as reckless driving, binge eating, use of illegal drugs. They may even display recurring suicidal or self-harm behaviors. Their emotions may appear unstable and extreme. They may feel empty and they may display intense anger at times and paranoia. It is estimated that 1-2% to of the population may fit the criteria for borderline personality disorder. Are there treatments? Well, Biskin and Paris in the journal CMAJ in 2012 reviewed the potential treatment options with a focus on psychotherapy, where individuals are counseled on how to identify sources of negative thoughts and to take a problem-solving approach to those thoughts rather than an emotionally reactive approach. One such technique that I've talked a lot about on the podcast includes affect labeling, where we stop and try to label the emotion we are feeling very specifically and to identify what is making us feel this way. From there, we can problem solve. So are there signs that someone is lying to us? There are several studies that indicate that lying can take more mental energy and it can require more cognitive demand than telling the truth. For example, when lying, we may need to come up with a story while suppressing the truth and trying to remember the lie in case we need to retell it. As such, there might be signs of this increased cognitive demand, especially if someone is having to lie on the spot. One such sign is that during this increased cognitive demand of lying, the eyes move less versus when telling the truth. Lim and colleagues in 2013 published a pilot study which they had individuals tell truth and lies and tracked their eye movements with specialized technology. They noted that when lying, individuals had smaller movements in their gaze. Their eyes were more focused and their gaze varied less when lying. Now, the study was a small study, so let's dive into some other studies to see if it supports that. Lear and Vries in 2008 in the Journal of Nonverbal Behavior conducted a study in 26 individuals that lied or told the truth while having their eye movements monitored as well. The scientists noted that during a lie, people blink less compared to their normal amount of blinking. And as soon as the lie was done being told, there was an increase in blinking. Again, this appears to be related to the cognitive demand associated with telling a lie and how there seems to be an increase in focus when telling a lie. Langelbin in the journal Human Brain Mapping in 2005 used functional magnetic resonance imaging technology to record which brain regions were involved in telling a lie. What do you think they found out? 
scientists noted that the right inferior frontal gyrus was significantly recruited during a lie. This is intriguing as this brain region is involved in observing cues and having inhibitory control. This brain region is important for suppressing impulsive actions. So we could interpret this as when we are telling a lie, are we trying to suppress some kind of behavior to hold it together so as to not appear to be lying? Another brain region powerfully recruited during lying was the insula. The insula is important for our self-awareness, our interoception, meaning our ability to feel what is going on inside of us, our feelings of pain, our heart rate, our breathing. As such, when we are lying, are we trying to think about how we may appear? How about when someone is telling the truth, though? In contrast, what brain regions were mostly being recruited? Interestingly, the inferior parietal lobe, which is involved in spatial attention and sensory integration. So while telling the truth, we may be more comfortable to assess our surroundings because we don't have the same cognitive demand of needing to lie. So it is freeing up mental energy to look around, so to speak. This coincides with the earlier studies where I said when someone is telling a lie, they may have less eye movements and more focus. When we're telling the truth, perhaps we're more relaxed and can take in our environment more. The cerebellum was also more recruited when the individuals told the truth. And the cerebellum is responsible for coordinating our body's movements. So what can we do with this information? Well, the scientists created a predictive model to try to determine if someone was telling a lie or truth simply based on their brain region activity, an fMRI lie detector test, so to speak. And they were able to predict a lie versus a truth with 85% accuracy. But why only 85%? I would predict that is because some people might be very good at telling simple lies. It may not require great cognitive demand if they are good at lying on the spot. As such, lie detectors may only be accurate in detecting people that are bad at lying, perhaps when people are caught off guard when lying, or in individuals that require great cognitive demand to tell a lie. So this brings up the topic of what about different types of lies then? Gannis in the journal Cerebral Cortex in 2003 conducted brain imaging using fMRI in individuals who told two different types of lies. Lies that they had previously memorized, and lies that they had to come up with on the spot, and lies that fit into a coherent story, and lies that did not. One would imagine that having to lie on the spot might be easier to detect, as the individual will have to use much of their imagination and cognitive capacity to come up with a good lie to not be detected. This is where asking more questions about a lie might make it easier to catch someone off guard because you're having to force them to perhaps come up with new lies in order to cover up their old lie. Whereas someone who has the lie already fabricated and previously told might be more likely to get away with it. So what did the scientists observe? Well-rehearsed lies that fit into a coherent story elicited more activation in the right anterior frontal cortices than spontaneous lies that did not fit into a story. Brain regions involved in retrieving a memory were recruited when telling a previous lie. So from this study, the scientists conclude that the reason why understanding lying and detecting lying is so difficult is because there are different types of lies. 
There are simple ones and there are more complex ones. There are lies we tell ourselves that we may even believe to be true. There are lies told on the spot and old lies. And these different types of lies recruit different brain regions. As a result, this is the main reason why detection of lying is still so difficult to this day. And as I mentioned earlier in this episode, psychiatric illnesses or conditions in which lying becomes pathological may be harder to detect as someone has been lying for years or even may believe their lies to be true. However, something that I got from this research is that if we believe someone may be lying, perhaps asking more questions about that lie, forcing the individual to have to come up with a new lie, might make it easier for us to detect the deceitfulness of the situation if they're having to put more focus or perhaps getting caught up in these new lies. So that is a wrap, my people scientist army, the neuroscience of lying. Lying may require more cognitive demand, and as such, it recruits different brain regions versus telling the truth. This may manifest as less eye movements with such cognitive demand when lying less blinking when lying, when the lie is being done being told, an increase in blinking. When someone is telling the truth, they appear to be more able to look around and take in their settings versus the focus required when telling a lie. However, this may not always be the case. Some conditions such as antisocial personality disorder, fictitious disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, and borderline personality disorder often involve pathological or chronic lying. Why? Well, it is possible that lying is the result of someone wanting to create a better sense of self or a better reality for themselves. As such, there may be a skewed view of reality in these conditions. I hope that this episode was intriguing for all of you to give you some new insight and new perspectives on the neuroscience of lying. I know that I personally found it fascinating. If you enjoyed the episode, then consider following me on social media where I share tidbits of information on the topic throughout the week. If you want to buy me a coffee to say thank you for the show, the information on how to do so is in the description box to this episode. And I thank you so much for that. Thank you to those of you who have and who continue to buy me a coffee to support the show. That means so much to me. I hope you all have a wonderful two weeks and I look forward to meeting you all back here in two weeks time. Bye for now. I am a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of Mount Sinai Hospital and its affiliates.